Dunn spun away, looking, shooting! Dunn with a goal! Welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle. I am here with my partner in crime, my podcast partner in crime, Courtney. Courtney, how are you doing? A little mellow. There's a lot going on in the world that is deeply depressing as a black person. So not in the best of spirits, but you know, always down to talk some footy. Yeah, and unfortunately, it seems like talking to footy is also going to get us into situations where um, aren't aren't necessarily great to talk about. Not great that they happened in the first place, and that's kind of where it all starts. So um, uh, I suppose we will kind of get, get started. Um, we do have a bit of a new segment. I'm going to let Courtney explain that and what it is, and then we'll get into it. Yes. So we have a new segment for you guys. It's called Spot Kicks. Uh, basically, it's a little segment where we're going to talk talk about what's going on in the WOSA world and either rate them as goals, which, you know, it's a good thing. Um, you know, a spot kick save, which is, you know, we're a little lukewarm about it. Not the best, not the worst. Uh, and then for the worst of all, a sky. Think about your favorite soccer player just trying to take a penalty and them just putting it right over the bar and it going in, you know, 60 feet into the stands where something is really bad, just off the mark, and overall trash. You know what? Can I propose an addendum to this scoring system? Sure. I, I know we focus on women's soccer and Black women in soccer, but I feel like everybody has seen that Simone Zaza uh, penalty kick, where he basically did like the tiny baby step run up the entire time and then just blasted the ball basically out of the stadium. Can <laughs> we just have like Zaza be like the worst, the absolute yeah. worst? Okay, thank you. Yeah, we can make that addendum now. It's uh, it's goals, saves, and Zaza. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for for <laughs> thank you for indulging. Yeah, and so to kick us off with spot kicks, the first thing we're going to be talking about is NWSL Challenge Cup. Challenge Cup came back this Friday. Uh, you know, the first game was a little bit lukewarm. Uh, just like I'm talking about the actual match. You know. <laughs> Uh, it was a little cagey. Um, there were some, you know, some fun moments. And it was also nice just that, you know, the NWSL was back. It was also on cable TV, which was cool. Um, but after the game, there was a big Zaza moment uh, where um, the oh, um, the Chicago Red Stars player, Sarah Gordon, um, a few out or the next morning after the match, uh, talked about her experience um, and specifically her boyfriend's experience where after the match, you know, players came and were greeted by their family, friends, um, and really her boyfriend got racially profiled um, by the security at the Dash's BBVA stadium that they play in. Um, and it was really just a terrible situation all around, um, especially since we know that they were like, we know her boyfriend and her were profiled just because they were black. Because, you know, as she mentioned in a Twitter thread, all of the other players from the Houston Dash um, were talking with their family. It was all fine. Um, but instead, they got targeted. He got threatened with arrest. Uh, to my knowledge, he was not arrested. Um, but really, it was just an overall terrible situation. And then uh, the next day, the Houston Dash, or later in the day, the Dash put out a statement that really just missed the mark all over the place. And then they put out a slightly more lukewarm statement today saying that they they apologized and that they're conducting a investigation for it and all of that stuff. But Andre, this was terrible. How are you feeling? 
Yeah, this was this was awful. This was this was one of a couple moments, and we'll definitely talk about more. But this was this was one of those things in the NWSL that just gets really frustrating. Like everybody, and it happened immediately, right? Like we're really excited for the NWSL to come back. You know, we're gonna get live soccer. We got domestic, um, you know, clubs playing. We're so excited to see a lot of these players playing. You know, a lot of them are without their big stars, but that also gives other players a chance to shine and gives some players like Sarah Gordon. A chance to shine um and show what they can do you know on the pitch and you know i i was really disappointed that i won't even say disappointed just frustrated angry really that 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 happened and compounding that was the dash's response i even think their second response is garbage because they still don't really address the racism um they just basically apologize what are you apologizing clear um and so it really it really frustrates me that can't the league can't seem to get simple stuff right and it is discouraging because because I want to be excited for the league and I and make no mistake about it I'm extremely excited for the players in the league it's everyone else <laughs> that everything else about the league that tends to be a problem and such a problem all of the time just got back and here we are talking about racist incidents plural that's just should never be the way it is particularly when the league throws out a bunch of statements like you know we hear you we see you black lives matter we're gonna you know you put out all your statements calling out racism and everything and right off the bat these are the problems we have to talk about instead of the soccer it's annoying right and yeah and i i also didn't want to make it seem like the the second like if i were to rate the first statement i would rate it a negative five and i would probably <laughs> yeah. rate the second statement like a, a zero yeah out of ten like like it's it's better but it it definitely still isn't doing what it like doing what it should be and I think also one thing that I was thinking about in particular is you know these clubs having these statements saying we support black players I know the dash took um they all took a knee you know before the game but yet this still happens in their stadiums and in particular I know um one of the assistant coaches from the Red Stars also came out with a statement and just like the way the security guard treated them but also the I don't want to call it the gall of the security guard but just you know that's like um, you can find uh, the assistant coach's statement on Twitter, but basically he was saying that the security guard kept being like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Like really, really playing it off in a very obnoxious way. And there was the entire situation was bad, but there was also something in particular about the way this, that reaction from the security guard that just like deeply frustrated. me. Well, yeah, because that basically lets you know that he knew what he was doing. (laughs) You know, that whoever it was, they knew what they were doing because they were being called out in real time and ignoring that or trying to play it off as if they don't understand what's going on and you know for me this this kind of goes back to like this this goes back to like a link to some things that like I've dealt with even in my past you know and, and not, not even past present but this is just one of those things where if you if you're in a white space and you're congregating as a black person you are a target your whole group is a target this has been the key when I was in high school they wouldn't let us hang out in the halls they called it loitering because they thought we would be like trying to form some sort of gang or do something gang related and they never had anything to do with the skater kids and all the other kids that hung out and talked to us only when it was black people that were hanging out in the crowd we ended up being a target and we see this kind of profiling all across the country it's all the same thing we talked about feel at the beginning we talked about feeling really 
kind of down at the moment because of this situation with Dante Wright. He was profiled, he was pulled over, he was shot and killed. It's, it's all connected. It's all the exact same thing. And this is why it is so important to get this stuff right and to react properly. Because yes, nobody was shot or killed, but it is the exact same type of targeting and discrimination that happens up and down, you know, from the worst, from the worst consequences of losing your life to consequences that are either microaggressions or and on up. Like it is so frustrating that we still deal with these kinds of situations and then the dash don't respond the way they should. They completely ignore the racism aspect of it in two statements. First of all, they needed two statements to even get close to addressing what Sarah Gordon was talking about. And they Mm -hmm. still didn't really get within the ballpark at all. And it's just so disappointing because not even it really doesn't even have anything to do with soccer, like the dash being a fun team to watch. It's just about humanity. And what like when is enough? And it's like that's such a scary question to ask as an American, because the answer from white America is always it's never enough. This is Mm -hmm. just your life here. Yeah. And and also, this isn't the first time that unfortunately this has happened in an NWSL stadium. Like there have been, you know, there are reports with um, like it happening in Portland, it happening in Utah. Um, I remember there was a lot of reporting out. I think it was, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was out of like it was from Meg Linehan and The Athletic where um, a lot of the black players were talking about like, do you feel safe in the stadium? And it's like, not really, no. Um, And so, yeah. It is just, it's almost like, has anyone actually learned anything out of the past? Like, you you blame this on COVID protocols. Like, you've been in a panini since, but after all that has happened, nothing has really been learned. Um, And, you know, the Dash aren't the only team to do some dumb shit. Sorry for cursing, but I'm still really annoyed about this. Uh, (laughs) Doing some dumb shit this weekend. So, Andre, do you want to take us through what happened with the Thorns, Morgan Weaver, uh, Kristen Edmonds? And in particular, the Dor- the Thorns, sorry, the Thorns social team. Yeah, so basically the players were, it, it was kind of a contentious match. I think Kansas City was actually playing quite well and um, and coming back at the Thorns. And I, I think Thorns were, um, I won't say reeling a bit, but it got to the point where they needed to kind of deploy the dark arts to kind of like waste time and all of that. So they got the ball in the corner, kind of wasting time. Um, I can't remember the player that was there initially, the first Thorns player that was there, but she using her body well to kind of like shield off the ball and you know Kristen Edmonds was over there with another um, Casey player and they were trying to jostle for the ball um, Casey ends up loose, getting the ball loose and trying to chase after it. Then Morgan Weaver kind of comes over and she slides, really gets herself like in between, you know, the ball and uh, Kristen Edmonds and Kristen Edmonds tries to run and they end up tumbling to the ground. After that, they get up, uh, they kind of, they kind of get in each other's way again uh, as they try to run up the pitch. Kristen Edmonds kind of pushes, uh, pushing her and she does kind of, it's called a mush, kind of mushed her <laughs> a little bit in the face and then they kind of square up at one another and both of them got red cards um before that simone charlie got a red card for a really bad tackle i don't really, um yeah it was just like there was no reason for it. like in particular with that tackle it was like why yeah i don't understand what was going on there and then and then the thorns coach mark parsons he got a red card so there are like four red cards in the last like minute or two of that match uh but it was really this edmonds and uh weaver situation that really kicked off particularly on social media 
Um, the Thorns social media posted video of the incident and said uh, Morgan Weaver is innocent, which was a very interesting word to use. Um, then, of course, Merritt Paulson, the owner, decided to get on Twitter and do all the things that he does. He's known for doing flaming things and getting and trying to prove like defend his player, but really in a really kind of ridiculous way. Um, and same with the social media person for the Portland Thorns on the main account, which it is protected now, um, really went after um, people who are trying to call it out. So it really became something that was really an incident on the pitch that lasted hours afterward. And the majority of it was fanned by Portland Thorns main Twitter account and other people associated with Portland Thorns. Yeah, I would describe the situation as a dumpster fire and and that's probably the nicest way that I could frame it um this has been something that has actually been on my mind since the moment it happened and you know I'm not going to debate like should have been a red card should have not been a red card x y and z thing because like that is perfectly you know fine up for debate like we can have another conversation at another time about like general refereeing in the NWSL but one thing that and it kind of felt like you know when something content like conscientious happens uh, or sorry contentious happens in soccer and like you kind of feel that like really uncomfy energy on your twitter timeline do you know what i'm talking about yeah it just gets weird yeah that's i could like immediately tell that was starting to happen and i mean you can see the video like it wasn't like morgan weaver was quote-unquote innocent like they were tossling like it wasn't like a thing where it was just like someone came over and like bulldozed her out of nowhere like it wasn't like there wasn't contact or anything like that but once that shift on my timeline started happening i immediately was like oh no 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 like i don't like where this is going like also it's you know it's quote-unquote nwsl after dark it just kind of like it honestly became so bad and the one thing i think more than saying she's innocent using that language and also doubling down in it not just tweeting out that video but it was on their instagram page that is when they bring up that um when they tweeted out photos from or put out photos from the match that was the first photo you saw on instagram i was i was pissed for several reasons and i'm like actually trying to keep it in and not just like drag someone because i am so deeply angry about this but not even recognizing how you're like what your actions mean using the language of innocence because what's the opposite of innocence guilty we like we all know how it can be looked at one way, but how it's actually interpreted is completely different. And using that language of innocence is so deeply problematic. And also the juxtaposition of a white woman player versus a black woman and completely posturizing the black woman as the aggressor and putting that all over your social feeds, using the word innocent with it. And then basically opening up a pile on for people to attack Kristen Edmonds, which luckily didn't really happen, even though I saw a few things from her Instagram page that I saw, and I saw a few comments, and like, I'm happy that more people did not go attack Kristen Edmonds, because it was not worth it, and you create this entire situation over a preseason match. Like, that is what really, really gets me almost over almost everything else that happens is that this was a preseason match. Like, I know we're excited that the NWSL is back, that the Challenge Cup is back, but at the end of the day, it wasn't like this was your cup final or NWSL championship. This was a preseason match and you still decided to double down in your white womanness and open the door for people to attack a black woman 
over a preseason match. Yeah, see, the the I completely agree, and the thing that really frustrated me is that it was all that is evident. If you are aware of these issues in, at all, at all in any in any way, then you understand. But it just kind of goes to show that when people have something else that they put as a priority, and in that case, it was the Thorns, their favorite team or their favorite player, or feeling so closely identified, uh, or so closely identifying with the team that they let it cloud other judgments that they completely missed the mark on this in a very terrible way. And one thing that really, that really, and, and I don't really want to single her out. Like I don't want her to receive any abuse. Her Twitter account is still locked, so hopefully it's ain't really a thing. But I just want people to to see this and think about this. And if this gets back to her, I hope she thinks about it too. Is there was a but before she locked her account, um, she posted a tweet that was a screenshot of uh, somebody calling, um, basically calling, referring to Kristen Edmonds as the black girl or something like that. Basically, really targeted racial harassment at Kristen Edmonds, trying to basically highlight her as being so aggressive. And her response to that was like, whoa, we're not going that far or anything like that. Like, you need to reevaluate yourself. And it was such a weird way to see the blind spot. Like, she still had the, she still had that massive blind spot, not thinking that that's what you brought on. When you frame the situation the way that you did, you use innocence to protect a white woman. And which, like you said, the inverse of that is guilty to the black woman, you're, especially in an instance that's a physical altercation. You're basically giving license to somebody to look at somebody black as an aggressor, as violent. And then that further reduces them to primal instincts. And then you get dehumanized. And that's exactly what happened. And it happened as a result of how they initially handled the situation, both her with the main Twitter account for the Portland Thorns and the owner, Merritt Paulson, who couldn't stop tweeting about it anyway. And that to me is like what's really disappointing to see that be so clear and still not get it. And that's why everybody needs to like, this is why we talk about anti-racism work, because if anti-racism work, if you're actually doing it, you're aware of that. You don't even throw that word innocent out there in a scenario like this, because you understand what that means, how it's going to be interpreted towards people who you may not want as an ally, but as soon as you open that door, that's where they're going. And it was so frustrating to me. I mean, there was that. And there are also the people who wanted to continue to further dehumanize Kristen Edmonds by saying she threw a punch. Y'all, you know what a punch looks like. It was a mush. It, her hands were open. You can look at any still shot or any video of that that you want. And you will see that her hands were open. That was not a punch. Was it aggressive? Was it something that warranted a red card? Absolutely. But there's no need to escalate the, the language to make her out to be some sort of monster. She wasn't. She was upset. She was heated. It happens on a soccer pitch. It happens a lot on soccer pitches. Like, that's the other thing. <laughs> this is not abnormal. Soccer players get in each other's face all the time. You'll see pushing and shoving. Zidane headbutted a dude at the World Cup. Like, you'll see, you'll see beefs all the time. Like, this is not an abnormal situation. There's no need to escalate the language. Right. And also with just in terms of violence on soccer pitch, like, there have been soccer players that have literally karate kicked fans. Um, right. <laughs> but, uh, and also with that, and with that tweet also, one of the people who runs the main account, someone tweeted back saying, these are both adult women. Actually, I'll, I'll read verbatim. They're both adult women who can handle themselves. Acting like the black woman is dangerous is disgusting. To which the social media person took a screenshot and then tweeted, projecting your feelings about black women on my posts about wanting to defend my coworker and friend is disgusting, but go off. And I was like, and also that with the other tweet saying about how they tweeted it and that it was only Woso fangirls getting angry. I'm honestly, I almost 
have a hard time thinking because like all of my anger about this situation is <laughs> rising back again but it's like you think it's just people coming for you when it's like no there are valid critiques and there are also actual consequences to this and also i don't care if they're your coworker you are a prof- you run a professional soccer twitter you run the social media for a professional soccer team and you are getting so deeply angry about a red card and it's not like for example that one of your black brown players got racially abused cuz I mean, I could understand, for example, a reaction like that when one of your players gets abused in some way, shape, or form because of, you know, how they present. And that was also kind of the thing in the back of my mind. I was like, I wonder if they are, if this team is going to have this reaction if something like that happens. Because if you blow something like a red card in a preseason match out of the water like this, keep that same energy if something racist happens. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I think we know from history that that doesn't usually happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also want to focus, because these are like top-down levels, right? This The owner was on Twitter doing the exact same thing and stoking this and continuing to try to frame his player as innocent. There's no need to do that. There's really no, there's no benefit that comes from doing that. You guys know the processes. You already said you're going to appeal, so appeal. I don't really understand the whole purpose of spending a, a whole night on Twitter going back and forth and posting different video clips to try to show that she's less involved than the, than than Kristen Edmonds or something like it just became way too much and it was just ridiculous and I do think that like that sets the tone so that was the tone of the reaction and so social media and everything else on the everybody else that runs the account um, and that you know tweets or speaks for the thorns followed suit that night and was doing the exact same things from Instagram to Twitter so their personal Twitters everybody was doing the same thing and it was really unfortunate to see and one of the most unfortunate things was they won they won the match that was your first time back you had fans back in the stands rocky rodriguez scored her first goal for the thorns and it was in front of fans it was beautiful like why would you make the entire game about that when like we just played really well i played really well I was jazzed up. You know, I scored my first goal as a thorn, like all that stuff. Well, not first goal as a thorn. She scored before, but not in front of fans. And mm-hmm. it's really just so frustrating that I, like you almost can't avoid it. Like people will say, like, don't make this a race thing. Well, what else motivates you to completely not care about how your team performed in front of fans that you hadn't seen in over a year? And in order to to do like it wasn't egregious, they were you know like mm-hmm. it was the end of the game. You didn't have to play thirty minutes down a player or anything like that. You did. There was no grave miscarriage of justice. The game was over after like you know a couple kicks right after everything settled down. Like the referee was done. So like why make the whole game about that? It just really bothered me because there was so much more to talk about. And if you're going to appeal anyway, then it's done. Appeal, figure out whatever the judgment is. Okay, cool. But talk about the match and your team and how well they played. Right, yeah. I mean, that's that entire backdrop of it is our first game back with fans. Also, yeah, like we won. There were also so many other storylines that pull that could have been pulled out of this game and instead it's boiled down to this one moment which like yeah I mean I completely understand for example four red cards in the span of I think I mean I think the first the Simone Charlie red card was in like the 88th minute and the game had like I don't know the game ended let's say at like 92 it's like okay four red four red cards in four minutes like obviously that is newsworthy but to make to really kind of dictate 
all of the coverage about your first home game back with fans in the stands after the entirety of this past year is also just dumb. Yeah, extremely dumb. I mean, there were a lot of storylines and unfortunately all anybody's talking about because of the way they reacted and what they basically told all their supporters to talk about is just this incident. So I don't, I mean, I'm, I am still excited to watch them once Crystal Dunn gets there, but man, they, they got, they got so much goodwill from Crystal Dunn joining that team because otherwise I'd be like, I, I'm sorry. If that's how y'all going to play this thing. I just, I just don't know if, if I want to see y'all succeed as much as much as I think that team should be great so it's just frustrating um and I really do hope that there are lessons learned from this I really do hope that they stop uh doing exactly what they're doing there's no need to fan flames like this there's no need to make this any bigger than it is again like I mentioned you know soccer man is contact sport happens players are going to get upset with each other are going to get each other's faces they're going to push each other that's why we have yellow and red cards and when you think something's unjust that's why we have an appeals process why in the world would you make it about anything bigger than that uh um, and also to all of the people tweeting free Weaver, stop it. <laughs> I oh, saw that yeah, a few times. I haven't, seen it. Cut that out. I, haven't I haven't seen it on Twitter, but I saw it on Instagram and I was like, stop it. Nope, nope, nope. Literally right now. Mm-hmm. It's even if you lose the appeal, it's a red card and a one game suspension. Yeah. Get, get all the way out of here with that. <laughs> not here for that at all. <laughs> Truly so angry, but you know, that's not the only thing that did happen during the challenge cup. We also did have some highs, you know, saw Trinity Rodman's yes. first goal, officially the youngest American goal scorer in NWSL league history. Super fun game. Uh, we also saw, you know, Rossing Louisville, even though I normally say racing, but you say Rossing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Infiltrated in my brain. Uh, <laughs> Rossing Louisville, that crazy. Look, I'm telling you, that first, when it was downpouring and it was also a sunny sunset in the background, I was trying to watch that game, but my brain is like, <laughs> how? So, like, literally, how is this happening? Like, so, weathermen, write in, email me. How did that actually happen? I was like, <laughs> I don't understand this. Um, but that was actually, you know, a really, really fun match. Um, sorry, dad, that my mom and I screamed during Abby Kim's goal. Uh, just woke him up right off the couch. Was have had the worst 10 minutes of his life after me and my mom getting excited. And he was just so angry. Um, but what did you think about, you know, the opening weekend of Challenge Cup? So it's tough, right? And and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna focus. You know, we talked about the bad stuff, and so the opening weekend um, was really unfortunate. And the NWSL has a lot of work to do. As far as the players on the pitch, I was pretty impressed. I think every single match was intriguing. I think the first part of Houston Dash Chicago Red Stars was intriguing. I also think the end of of you know the the kind of takeaways from that game are really intriguing because quite honestly, the Red Stars are expected to be one of the top couple two or three teams in the league and they didn't look like it. they have their midfield pieces there obviously they're they're missing julie Ertz, but they have a really deep squad and they should have been able to connect quite well and i didn't see them really put together really any chances obviously they're missing you know they they let go nagasato and savannah mccaskill there now with rossing louisville but it was really kind of unfortunate to see them so um just stifled an attack and that's concerning if i'm them so you know i i I think there are talking points out of that game but i don't it wasn't a great game to start the to start the challenge cup but i will say what was great 
for me personally, mm-hmm. Trinity Rodman getting her debut goal. I just so like and what you a know, goal it was. What a goal. What a run too to spot that space and and to basically give Natalie Jacobs who made a gorgeous pass. I mean that pass was great because it didn't go too high and it didn't stay too flat. It basically mm-hmm. stayed up in the air long enough to where it just needed to dive down right in front of Trinity. It was an it was a really good pass and from her own half. It was really really good, but you know, we weren't sure what to re- what we were going to have, you know, right off the bat in Trinity Rodman. We knew that she was good. Um, you know, we've seen her in her youth career. Um, we know that obviously the spirit saw something in how they, they worked her out, scattered her to where they got her number two overall. But we didn't know if that was like long term project or can she help right now? And the reason, you know, after the match, Richie Burke, the head coach, basically said that the reason why he brought her on was tactical, which is really awesome. It wasn't just to give her a debut. It was like, no, we have like a job that needs to be done out there and we think she can do it. And she did it. And that's not even talking about the goal. (laughs) The job wasn't really to go out there and score a goal. Obviously, as a forward, that's what you want to do. And that is part of your job description. But what they wanted her to do was kind of like help the spirit in midfield uh, deal with that midfield box that uh, North Carolina uses so well and that they were really just destroying the spirit in midfield with. And she did it. There were so many times where her press, her pressure, you know, her running off the ball was mm-hmm. so good that really like got gained possession for the spirit um, and kind of got in the way of North Carolina's buildup. And then she adds the goal on top of that. Like I'm, I'm trying not to be like too excited because she's still really young. I mean, like you said, she's 18, youngest American goal scorer in the NWSL, but I'm excited. But yeah, honestly, like, I don't want to hype her up too much. Eventually. I'm trying so hard not to. <laughs> she will be a force to be reckoned with. Um, Like, yeah, that, especially that pass, I kind of describe it as like a lob almost. Yeah. Kind of it like a lob. And it just, I, like, and I think also that was, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that her first touch of the, like, touch of the ball? I think so. I think her first touch was the thigh control and the second yeah. touch was the, was the goal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was really her first, like, touch of the ball since coming into the game, which I had a feel. I like I was watching and I was like had I had I seen like did she touch the ball before then um yeah so honestly all good things for that um I will always laugh about um a chip of the keeper because it is so (laughs) it is so so cheeky (laughs) and rude and funny but also mean and it's like so bad for Bledsoe she didn't deserve that she did not deserve (laughs) that um and also speaking of keepers one thing that we missed during the Portland Kansas City game is that there were two black keepers oh yeah like there were so many great things that could have been shouted out in that game and instead we talked about racism but shout out they chose to talk about racism they chose to make the game about their racism thanks guys that was really helpful uh yeah and they're you know shout out to ad shout out to abby smith and yeah and also one thing that i did want to talk about because i think a lot of us going into the challenge cup thought i want to you know transition to um rossing louisville versus uh the pride i think a lot of us we're like, oh, Ross and Louisville might not have the best year, you know, uh, out of how many um, in the expansion draft. And, you know, for example, grabbing a press, press's rights, as well as, um, what is it, I think Ford Kennedy and uh, Tobin's rights as well, when mm-hmm. all four of them are very firmly playing in Europe right now. Well, actually all in the WSL. But 
you know, so there were a lot of like question marks, you know, going into their first game, how their first season's going to go. And for me, like, I am happy to say that I think a lot of my expectations were wrong. I ain't going there just yet. <laughs> um, it was one match. Uh, Pride probably won't be a playoff NWSL team. Uh, they got a lot to work through, uh, a lot of a lot of holes to fill themselves. And so while I think it was a really great match, and actually shout out to Maggie Doherty Howard, a former Spirit player, I was really sad to see her go but she had two assists um in that match for the pride but um yeah i do think that throughout like a course of like a 24 game season a lot of the mistakes that rossi and louisville made in that expansion draft are gonna show yeah i agree i just think out of the first match i was expecting it to be a lot <laughs> different than it yeah. was like I, yeah. I i mean even i mean the way they're and like to be fair like the Orlando started out not necessarily super organized and stuff like that but I was just like I was just expecting something probably a little bit different so I will take my little piece of fumble pie I don't know where they're going to be you know at the end of the season um but you know they to me they looked a lot better right out of the gate than I thought they would yeah I'm gonna keep my slice of humble pie like still in the fridge I ain't bringing it out (laughs) if I gotta bring it out they do play the spirit next and I I'm hoping I get to go to that match so if I get to go to that match and cover it um and then we'll really see uh what's up because spirit should should be able to win that match i would believe fairly comfortably um so we'll see but if they can't i'll just have to come back next week with with pie and y'all can just listen to pie on the podcast <laughs> yeah and i also you know i do want to give a little shout out to abby kim of that goal uh yeah. It was also just, I mean, we all thought that the, I mean, I was also not expecting a late equalizer, but, um, you know, that was really, really fun because uh, my parents, honestly, I forced them to watch sports with me and they were like, oh my God, look, another black player. And I was like, I know it's incredible. Um, and then she scored, which was always really, really fun. Um, it's a great sorry. goal too. That was great. I always love a goal that hits the underside of the bar and goes in. Like it was really, really good goal. It wasn't quite, quite a lob. It was kind of just, it just has some really weird uh, action on it. But the, I, I just love when a goal, when a ball hits the bar and just slams in the back of the net. It was really awesome. That's about it for our little recap of the Challenge Cup. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about the women's national team, their game against Sweden and that impending game against France, which is definitely going to be an interesting one. So see you in a bit. And we're back. So, Andre, we saw a really interesting game against Sweden. You know, the women's national team's unbeaten or uh, winning streak of 16 games has been snapped. They're still unbeaten. Uh, really interesting match all around. What are your thoughts? Ooh-wee, I think it was rough. Um, there were so many <laughs> players that played uh, quite poorly. Uh, it was really difficult uh, match out there playing away uh, in Sweden. Uh, they were ready. They were ready for us. And mm-hmm. I, I do think that Sweden really did help the U.S. out by continuing to try to funnel attacks down the right. You know, Hannah Glass, amazing player, really good. She's Bayern Munich. Uh, she's at Bayern Munich. I'm a little concerned about her playing Chelsea in the Champions League, but that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> she wasn't going to get the better of Crystal Dunn on that side. It just wasn't going to happen. Not Once they flipped it and started attacking down their left, our right, good that's Lord. when they got their goal. And that's also when they like put the U.S. under way more pressure than they were. And so that was diff- difficult to watch. 
And that penalty call was like, it's one of those things where like when a team is so good and they're on their heels like that, don't bail them out. I, I liken it to the, the to the penalty that Lyon got in the Champions League match against PSG, that Formiga handball that wasn't a handball and wasn't even in the box. Similar mm-hmm. situation here. It was Kelly O'Hara getting tackled, which it was a clumsy challenge. Yeah, and it could have been a foul and should have been a foul, but it wasn't at all in the box. So that doesn't mean I want VAR. Please keep VAR away from women's sports. I don't want it. But it was just a bad call. And and, uh, and that's how it ended up being 1-1. That, that is basically the difference between having a unbeaten streak and not. And I, I don't know. If I'm Vlatko, if I'm some of those players after that match, I feel like mm, we really didn't earn that one. Yeah, and I actually have a lot of thoughts. I also have thoughts about VAR. Either make it across the board or not at all, because I know if I, for example, were a player, would be, and I mean, we saw players deeply frustrated of like, these things don't normally happen and all of a sudden they're happening. Not going to get into it. Moving on. Um, Though I thought it was an interesting match, uh, to say the least. I thought... I rewatched it. Um, I do this crazy thing where I watch, or I rewatch games at like one and a half speed or sometimes two times speed, which just makes them super chaotic, if I'm being honest. Um, but I thought Sweden got, not only did they play well, they to me also got all of their tactics correct. Um, as soon as they started, as soon as they started putting that ball down the, uh, what their left fr- flank against our right back, it became a disaster. Um, and that's, you know, where they got quick. their, <laughs> what'd you say? I said um, real quick. R- real quick. Uh, they started really getting, you know, good looks on net. Um, or sorry, good looks on goal. And that's, you know, for example, where that corner came from. Don't know what was going on with that corner. Uh, were we man marking? Were we zone marking? Alyssa came out late. There was just like, <laughs> to me, it was like, if it was a situation where it was like, kind of like Murphy's like a little bit like uh if everything could have gone wrong in a moment it did yeah uh that was to me um yeah that was <laughs> to me that corner kick um even though I the one thing that I took out of that match um at least for the first I want to say 60 minutes really until whenever Meg was subbed in I thought we were getting a lot of our tactics wrong in terms of so they were you know Sweden started playing at three in the back they really were playing at like defending really at, with five in the back and one thing that I noticed over and over again and I only saw it really happen like before whenever Meg came in which I think was around the 60th minute is when I noticed it starting to shift but before that for that entire 60 minutes of us trying to play the ball over the top and it just really really not working in the moments where I thought we got our best looks on goal was playing one touch, two touch football and playing the ball on the ground. And, you know, just, you know, really finding smart ways to shifting their, cause that, I mean, at one point they were defending, I think a four, five, one, or sorry, a five, four, one. Um, and, you know, playing the ball quickly on the ground and finding smart ways to kind of shift their defense out of that, the really rigid structure that was, you know, definitely working for them. Another thing that I also thought was interesting was our defensive shape and that we were defending in a 4-2-3-1, um, but I don't think it was necessarily working in the same way of, you know, having our like our central striker, which for the most part of the game was Carly Lloyd kind of triggering that press and making making sure that, you know, we're winning the ball back up higher in the field, kind of playing into everything that Blocko normally wants the players to play as. So yeah, it was a really interesting KG match. I thought, I mean, I was interested in it in it in the tactical buildup um I can't lie I don't know how Sweden did not score two goals like they quickly absorbed the press found smart ways to play around it and then played a through ball in between both of our center backs and it was kind of insane that it the ball did not go in the back of the net but yeah and I also about the penalty thing 
I like saw it. I watched it so many times, but I, and I was like, I understand why it was given a penalty. Do I think it should have been given? I'm not a FIFA pro referee, so I'm not going to say yes or no. Cause I was like, if contact started within the box, moved out. Like it, to me, it could have went like either way. I would have been like, like if they were like, no, it's a foul outside the box, I would have been like, yes. Like it's a penalty. I would have been like, eh. okay. I can like, in theory, like, sorry about that noise also. Um, but I can like kind of wrap my head around what the ref was thinking, but I actually thought the game wasn't ref well. I thought in the first half, Aslani should have gotten at least a yellow card off of a few of her tackles that were made. Like, yeah, I mean, at one of them, <laughs> I mean, at one of them, she was literally, she literally pulled Lindsay Haran's collar. I'm like, yeah. how is that not a yellow card? I know it's the second minute of the match, but how is that not a yellow card? Um, but also, for example, challenges that were definitely fouls um, weren't given and not just for the like not just um against Sweden but also against us I think Ju- at one point Julie Ertz like fully body checked a player uh right outside our 18 yard <laughs> box and it wasn't given it and I was like what <laughs> these are fouls um so yeah I I thought it was an interesting match we definitely got so lucky on that penalty call but I will say having the one spot that I thought was like was slightly brighter was when Alex Morgan was substituted in the match and to Sweden's fault, I don't know why they did this. They switched to a back four instead of a back five. And then all of a sudden, all of our previous tactics of like, you know, playing the ball over the top, quickly switching out wide and playing it back over the top really started working super effectively. And I was like, and, I, and at one time I was like, Sweden, why did you do this? Like you were being such a stalwart defensively. Why did you switch up your tactics at the very end of the game? Because if they hadn't switched up their tactics and it had been, you know, for example, going the same way that it was going for the previous, let's say, I don't know, 70 minutes, they would have left with a one nil victory. Yeah, I, you know, there were a number of issues, I think, the U.S. side. And, and I think they really did play, um, they, they kind of caused it to themselves or caused their own struggles in a lot of ways. And I think one of the ways was, okay, I know they wanted to get Carly Lloyd's 300th cap out of the, out of the way. They wanted to go ahead and do that and celebrate her. It was like National Carly Day and okay, fine. And honestly, I don't want to I don't, I don't want to, you know, downplay it. 300 caps is a lot of caps a lot and that's caps. A, that's a milestone. It's impressive, but we really struggled with her as as the as the lead for, uh, target forward. That was not it was not working. Um I, it just wasn't working. She didn't really have the necessary pace or the ability to really test Sweden so Sweden could really stay compact and really mm-hmm. play focus on the midfield i also think that they messed up by putting lindsey haran and roosevelt on at the same time lindsey haran is a very attacking midfielder there were so many times where she was like basically playing left wing she mm-hmm. wants to play up top <laughs> that's where she just naturally drifts i think if we have sam Uis in, then we have her with julie Ertz, and we kind of have a lot more rigidity or, or stoutness in midfield roosevelt mm-hmm. balled out she really had a great game that was a she perfect did. match for her um i think she was like the biggest highlight of the entire match and mm-hmm. it was really a shame that she actually had that one it was a it was a it was a trademark roosevelt shot where she got it on her left foot and Top i was 18. like yeah and i was like yo you can't save those <laughs> i don't know how the <laughs> keeper did that but i mean shout out to her for doing it i, w- I did not expect that at all i thought that was going to hit the net i was like oh, i was i was thinking in my mind already i'm gonna have to like find a rose emoji i'm about to go crazy because this is this is what she does you let her cut onto her left foot you let her power it up it's going to be in the back of the net, but it was saved. And then I also think, you know, the the two wide forwards, you know, Lynn Williams and Kristen Press, shout out to Diaspora. We love them. It was just a tough match. Um, mm-hmm. I think there were too many players for them to deal with, particularly with Lynn Williams on her side. I think she lost the ball a couple times. And honestly, I also put that down to Kelly O'Hara being on that side as well. 
and Lindsey Horan not really being in midfield at all for to offer any sort of protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically just, as soon as Lim Williams would lose the ball, it really stood out because then you all of a sudden had Sweden running directly at Kelly O'Hara. And they and once they figured out that was the side to run at, mm-hmm. they did what they could to make sure Lynn Williams wasn't going to go anywhere or do anything with possession. So um, that was just disappointing to see. I was kind of sad about it. Uh, I do think, like you mentioned, we did get the tactic quite wrong um, in this match. And I am hoping that now we kind of see like, I, I like, I think, I think the Carly Lloyd thing is like, it's a great story, but tactically it just doesn't work with this team. And um, I would also like to see against France, uh, Mewis has to start. Both Mewis's really, it might be fun to have both Mewis's start, but at least Sam's got to start. And also the interesting thing was, and I mean, I, I'm looking at my notes and it's so funny because I have it written down three exclamation points saying play the ball on the ground. Um, when we were attacking, and at one point I was like, "What is our attacking formation?" And I, I want to, Ashley, I want to read to you what I wrote down when I would like pause the match and like look at it. <laughs> Here are our potential formations. <laughs> we have a two-three-one-three-one. Think about that. Nice. That's like me and FIFA. <laughs> I get crazy. <laughs> uh, we had a four-one-two-three, and then we also had a two-four-one-three. Ooh, okay. Just think I feel about the that. Vibes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were moments where I was like, I I mean, for people who have been listening to podcasts, you know, I like watching tactics, I like watching game formations, and I will and also it's something that like my brain just kind of picks out. Um No structure, just vibes. <laughs> it was just like no structure, just vibes. Honestly. Um I also I can't lie, I thought we were gonna have you know that Twitter account when playing out of the back goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. I thought we were gonna have one of those moments, I can't lie, because at the very like towards, you know, that second half half or the towards like the second half of the second half uh there were some moments where i was like that's a risky ball (laughs) that's real risky like it could you know two touches out of your feet and it's not a good idea or just like hey just boot the ball down the field uh it's not worth it of sweden picking it up at the you know 30 yards out um and i also thought that our finishing wasn't the greatest because you know especially as soon as sam mewis came on as soon as really also when um christy mewis came on we started getting a lot more looks and also when sweden decided to switch to a back four um we really started getting a lot more looks at goal and at one point i thought i was like our like we are right in front of the net like why aren't we scoring so i thought um also our like our passing in the final third and our overall finishing just also was off the mark yeah absolutely so then let's go ahead and, and kind of look forward by the time y'all hear this uh, most of y'all hopefully will will get a little taste of it before the match actually happens but um it will it may be done by the time you're you're listening to this the match against france we talked about it before that's going to be the big one it was almost sweet i mean sweden did end the streak but they didn't end the streak fully if we play like this against france france is winning period look it if we play like that and at one point i will say in the sweden match i was like can we string two passes together i almost tweeted it out and i didn't but at one point i think all of our passes were just going astray all like all over the pitch like bad giveaways i was like france is going to capitalize on that and also i think um eugenie uh, lesame is back with the national team she's like out of um quarantine and is like practicing with them so she'll probably you know be back in the match we got to play a lot better and we need to really shore up this back line and also our midfield 
<laughs> I would completely agree. I mean, I mean, we can't. I, I don't think Kelly can be the right back. Um, I don't think that's going to work um, on that on that right side. Uh, and I and I definitely, like I said, I, Samuels has to play. I mean, we really have to get the personnel right, the tactics we can kind of tweak and adjust to what they're doing because um, we are that good. And really, we could have done better um, with some changes in personnel, either in the starting eleven or as we went on. We kind of waited a while to make substitutions, mm-hmm. and the substitutions did change the match, but um, it was a bit too little, too late um, for for the ones that were really needed. I mean, we didn't get Sam Lewis on until about the 65th, um, and then we didn't get Christy on until the 85th minute, and mm-hmm. that was too late. So, you know, we do have to make sure that he can be flexible if the goal is to win the match. Now, if he wants to just test certain players out and see how they respond, but... then that's different, right? Like, that's different. Then you got to let them go, and you got to see what they do. But um, we're definitely going to have to call them out when they do what we think is going to happen <laughs> if they end up facing this France team. Yeah, and it was and it was interesting because I was talking online. Because, um, you know, when France played uh, England and Sandy Baltimore just had absolute, <laughs> absolute screamer. Like, Fire. that Fire. goal was, it was, like, so unnecessary. I think that's the part I liked about it the most. <laughs> Like, the way she hit the ball was just, like, so unnecessary. Like, she could have passed it into the net or, like, into the corner and just decided to fully strike it upper 90. I was like, this is so disrespectful for no reason. The whip on that thing. Like, I love watching that, especially in, like, a lot of goals I love to watch in, like, slow motion because you get to see, like, the flight of the ball is gorgeous and everything. And you see, you know, the the anguish of the keeper not being able to get to it. But this goal looks so good in real speed because, like, it goes up like the way she hit that ball cut across it it flies into the air and then it basically just takes this hard turn right into the inside of the post goes into goal I mean it is nasty and like I said there was no reason for it but I'm so thankful she did it it was so (laughs) filthy yeah and so I mean with that and one thing I did notice also about that goal was I mean and this is not to take away anything but like actual like marking wise of um a learning for example that Rachel Daly was playing as an outside back and I was like literally what is going on um did you notice that during the game yeah I I I just don't I I can't even I was like for a while I was like who is that like who is playing outside back and then I think um she like hit someone really hard and they're like Rachel Daly with a crunching challenge and I was like why (laughs) she plays like she plays so not everyone can be crystal done you can't just take a striker and put them in left back and and like expect them to excel um so yeah it's definitely going to be interesting that goal the I just remember like I was seeing it happen and I was like well I am nervous but also and this is the one thing I also uh really cemented um was cemented in my mind during the Sweden match is that Becky Sauerbrunn still has really really good defensive instincts and positioning that's like the one thing I did really notice and so when I was looking at that goal I'm thinking like well what would happen if that were us I still think the goal is possible but I think I I was like I was like well our I feel like our defense has you know better positioning and decision making it's still going to be a very interesting match across the board especially against our back line not worried about crystal but that other side who knows yeah it's almost as if u.s u.s soccer should have invested time in developing actual fullbacks instead of relying on forwards and turning them into fullbacks it's almost like that the last piece of 
uh, U.S. Women's National Team news is that uh, a judge has approved their settlement between the team and U.S. Soccer Federations about unequal working conditions. And so that's something that's still ongoing. We are expecting that they will still appeal um, what the judge originally ruled um, about the majority of their case. So that's something also to keep on the lookout. Yeah, definitely. We both are of the opinion that, you know, pay the players what you all like, honestly, in the wise words of the great philosopher, Rihanna, pay them what you all. So, yeah, we definitely want to make sure that that happens, and we'll definitely follow that and keep you all updated. Um, again, with this episode, you know, we, we went into some tactics talk. We had a little bit of fun, but as you all know, we had, we had a lot of, unfortunately, it was really heavy on racism talk. You know, I've, we, we've told you all a few times that we really want to have fun with this podcast, but sometimes it's unavoidable. And that's kind of just the, that's just kind of life in, in America, life in <laughs> women's soccer, life in soccer, life in life in general. So it is unfortunate. I'm really hoping that we don't have to continue to do this. Please end of yourself if you're listening. If anybody out there is listening, can we have a racism-free rest of the Challenge Cup and hopefully season? Uh, I know it ain't that easy, but, you know, we really need it. We would appreciate it. We really want to celebrate these players and talk about the play on the pitch. Is, it's really frustrating that we couldn't do that um, as soon as the league returned. So anyway, we thank y'all for listening. We'll always be here to hold the league accountable. So until next time, talk to y'all later. See ya. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U-T-D-P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.